On today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, I sit down with my friend Jordan Rayner to talk about what does it look like to worship through work. And a lot of you guys are not satisfied in your job. Maybe some of you are, and you're still not viewing your work as worship. But what does it look like to worship God through your work? And how do you teach your kids to do the same, even through their chores, their homework, and the everyday work that they have to do? It's a really fascinating conversation that I think you're going to get a lot out of. I do want to remind you guys that we have our first ever Dad Tired Retreat happening this fall, September 16th through 18th. It's going to be amazing. We already have tons of guys who are signing up. I'm going to be teaching. We'll have worship there. You'll get to meet other dad tired guys from across the country. Even some guys from around the world have already signed up to be part of this retreat. It's in Arkansas. Some guys can drive there. Some guys will need to fly there, but I need you to come and be with us. Meet other dad tired guys. It's going to be awesome. You can sign up for that by going to dadtired.com forward slash retreat, R-E-T-R-E-A-T, dadtired.com forward slash retreat. Please sign up for that. Come be part of it. It's going to be amazing. Also want to thank my friends over at Haya Health for sponsoring today's episode. I know some of you dads listening may not be giving too much thought about the vitamins that your kids are taking, or maybe you just leave it up to your wife to make those decisions, but I want to challenge you to give this some thought. Haya Health was actually started by two dads who realized the vitamins they were giving their kids were essentially sugar-filled candy in disguise, so they decided to do something about it. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? And we all know that what kids eat instead are chicken fingers, mac and cheese, processed foods, ice cream, and more. And the vitamins that are supposed to fill in those nutritional gaps are based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. My kids absolutely love these vitamins. They're made from 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can cause a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. It's manufactured here in the United States with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Dad-tired listeners receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com forward slash dad-tired or enter the code DADTIRED at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash DADTIRED, HayaHealth.com slash DADTIRED, and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Again, go to HayaHealth.com forward slash DADTIRED, or enter the promo code DADTIRED at checkout. Jordan, very rarely do I have guests back, not for any particular reason other than there's just tons of good stuff out there. But when I do have somebody back, it's usually because I'm like, oh man, we did not get to all the amazing things that I know we could have got on in the first one. And so you were on the show not that long ago and you're I'll already say, wasn't back. that last week? <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, your listeners real... are like, not this guy. Yeah. They're like, dude, again, no, dude, people loved it last time you were on. And I was like, we need to get Jordan back on immediately and uh, just keep talking and having a good conversation. You wrote a book for children that bro, I'll just say is so good, dude. It's so, so good. Really, really well written. And I don't want to like get too far ahead of myself, but there are some dad tired children's books coming out in the future. Hey-o. 
Hey, and, you uh, heard it here first. <laughs> and I, I read yours and I'm like, oh geez, I need to go back and rewrite. <laughs> I need to go back and rewrite everything I did because this is like amazing. Yeah. Anyway, I want to get to the children's book stuff, but before we jump into that, really what you're tackling, I know you wrote the book for kids, but I think you're knowing you and how smart of a guy you are. I think you you had a broader audience in mind, particularly the the dads probably who are going to be reading this to their kids. And one of the biggest things that I hear guys talk about, literally got an email two days ago, is how many guys are not satisfied in their job. Let's start the conversation there. Yeah. I don't even know what question to ask, yeah. but, but you know, you know, dudes are like feeling this. They're like, I go to work and I do it begrudgingly. I don't want to go to my job. Yeah. So a couple things. First, hundred percent. I wrote this book. Honestly, between us girls, primarily for dads. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just received the finished artwork for the book right before I went on stage at Dave Ramsey's offices to give a speech to his team. And at the end, I was, I don't know, I just felt led. I was like, hey, you guys want to see this thing? And I, I read it and my host came up on stage afterwards. It's like, that's not for kids, mm. is it? Because like people were like bawling their eyes out. Yeah. Uh, so we'll come back to that in yeah. a minute. But these dads feeling... I'm going to work. I'm doing a job. It's not fulfilling. Yeah. I just want to give a little tough love here. Cause I felt like this too before. Here's the deal. We have been sold a bag of goods in this lie that culture is peddled to us, that our fulfillment is the primary purpose of work, mm. <laughs> right? Mm. Like we believe that the, the purpose of work, the purpose of our careers is to make us happy. And that's just not what we see in scripture. The primary purpose of work is God's glory and service to others. But here's the ironic thing. I wrote a little bit about this in a book I published a couple of years ago called Master One. When we make service to others our primary aim, and how do we serve others? We serve others through the ministry of excellence by just getting like crazy good at whatever it is we do. Vocational joy almost always follows, right? When we reframe the question of, man, I'm not being fulfilled to how am I fulfilling the lives of others and make their joy our primary aim? We usually get both, right? There's actually some really good academic data on this about how vocational joy and fulfillment follows mastery and getting really good at what you do in service of others. See, I just don't know that I agree with the premise of the question. Like nowhere in scripture do we see that work is meant to fulfill us. In fact, I think you could argue that the curse on work that we find in Genesis 3, right? So work is not the curse, it is, but it is curse as a result of the fall, is in a way a blessing because when work becomes difficult and you're having a case of the Mondays, it forces you to go to your knees and just run to your heavenly father. And in that way, it is a blessing because the thorns and thistles of this world and our work drive us to God, which is the greatest possible good for our lives. That's funny, man. I just taught, I was in four states last weekend, taught six wow. times and primarily giving the message about the blessing being the hard stuff that that draws us to Jesus. Literally like word for word what you just said. Yeah. So it's so good. I want to go back. So for somebody who's listening, he's like, man, I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus, but I don't really understand the whole Bible story yet. I'm, I'm kind of getting my grips along that. Like, what is the theology of work? When we go to Genesis 2, 1 and 2, start to get in Genesis 3, what is the theology of work? Like, was this, because some people will think, oh man, heaven or heaven-like, this kingdom that God was creating, probably just sitting around all day and like 
enjoying my naked wife and eating some good food, you know? So <laughs> what does sound awesome? <laughs> what does, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves, but what was work pre-fall, post-fall? How did it play into the whole creation story? Oh man, this is so good. I appreciate you asking this. Yeah. So real clear, and this isn't real clear to most people because we don't talk about this in the church like at all. Right. A lot of people do believe that work is the result of the curse, that work came into the world as a result of sin. Hmm. And that's not what we see in scripture. Genesis one, first of all, God himself works. That's a radical idea before he tells us that he is holy Hmm. or loving or omnipotent or just Genesis one, one, he tells us that he is a God who creates things, who works, who is productive. And I, I've heard the objections. Well, come on. He didn't work per se. He spoke things into existence. Well, Genesis two tells us that he rested from the work That's right. of his hands. Then it goes on to show him planting a garden in the East in Eden. So not only does God work, work with his words, he also works with his hands. So right before the fall, God himself is working. And then contrary to every children's book you've ever read or every book you've ever read about Genesis one saying that day six is the end of creation. Genesis tells us that day six is the beginning of creation because he passed the baton to Adam and Eve and said, fill and subdue this earth. And if you read any commentary on this, Every theologian I've ever read says, listen, this is more than a call to procreation. That's what we think. We think fill and subdue the earth means make lots of babies. That's not what this means here. It was a call to work and to fill up this largely blank canvas that God started in those first six days. I just read this fascinating commentary the other day. In Genesis 2, there's this weird little detail. It says that there was gold underneath the earth in Eden. There's gold sitting there waiting for Adam and Eve to untap and do something with. And then that same gold pops up again at the very end of scripture in Revelation 21 and 22 with the golden streets and the golden city of God, the new Jerusalem coming down from the sky. And this commentary was like, listen, this was our purpose all along in the garden of Eden was to take the garden and cultivate that gold, refine that gold, use that gold to build the garden city, the eternal New Jerusalem, the city of God. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of purpose that work existed prior to the fall. Thus, work is good. Thus, work is God-like. Work is worship. That's super good. Where did they get the gold? What what part of Genesis did they get the gold? Or are they just saying it was more symbolically? Or were they talking about that there was a that no, saw in scripture? It's there. Genesis 2. You want to do a little Bible study here? Yeah, pull it up. Let's pull open our Bible. So sword drills, everybody. Genesis, <laughs> t- Genesis two. If you don't grow versus, up in the church uh, and you're like, what does this mean? There used to right. be a, there used to be a thing in Sunday school. Oh, Sunday school was a thing. They'd send all the kids, and uh, I guess it's still like Sunday school still a thing. But you know, the Bible teacher, the Sunday school teacher would say sword drills, and everyone have to like, you know, you'd have to who can get to the the passage the first, which I have mixed feelings. The on, idea was know, like this. the sword of God, the word it, exactly it was super they, lame, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> So Genesis 2, verses 10 and 11, here it is. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Mm. Wow. 
Gold of Outland is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. And oh, by the way, the onyx, you also see in the New Jerusalem, right? Onyx is this material we turn into gems, all this other stuff that we see at the foundation of the New Jerusalem and these gems. Here's the point. What does all this mean? What does all this theology mean? God has always intended to do his work in this world through loyal human beings. He could have finished creation. Right. In those first six days, he could have finished in one, but instead he has invited us, his children to work alongside him, to cultivate and fill the earth. Right. And that's still true today, even post the fall, if you want to get into that, we can, but I think you see Jesus reaffirming this in his ministry on earth. Now work is hard post fall Genesis three, we sin. The curse has entered in the world and work is difficult now, but work in and of itself is good. It's worship in Genesis 1 and 2. It's good because we are reflecting the creator when we're creating. When we're part of that, I'm cultivating, I'm using things around me to make things, to expand the garden, right? I'm reflecting back the creator. That's why it's worship, right? Just to be like super clear about yeah, why totally. this is good. We, yeah, totally. We talk all the time in our churches about being image bearers, right? This concept that we're supposed to show God's image to the world. Well, look at the context. We, we get that from Genesis 1, 26 through 28, where God says, I've made mankind in my image. Up until verse 26, we know literally one thing about the character and the image of God. It's a, he's a guy who creates, mm. right? Mm. So to live into the image of God, it is multifaceted. It means a lot of different things. But the first thing it means in scripture is that we image God as we create and make things in this world. When we go to work and we make widgets and we make processes and we make art and we make function and beauty with excellence and love and in accordance with the image and character of God. I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning, which is, and I love it, the changing the premise, which is the goal here is excellence and it's to serve. I don't remember exactly how you said it. You said it more beautifully than I did. And it's not necessarily just my joy, but joy will oftentimes come out of that when those things are my primary, primary goal. Somebody treated us to a really fancy dinner on my birthday, something I could not have done myself, but they're like, you know, we want to treat you and your wife. So we got to go, we got babysitter. We we got to go to this really fancy dinner and we're there with this top chef. And this guy's like won awards. He's been on all the chef shows and he's like cooked in Vegas. And he's just, he's, I mean, this is like a really small intimate dinner and he's showing us how he's cooking in front of us. It was incredible. Something I would have never got to do really special time, but he's like, he's, excellent at what he's supposed to do in life or what he's doing in life. And then he married a woman. She puts on events and does weddings and like helps cater. And she just, she's also excellent at what she does. And it was funny because we left there and I was telling my wife, like I was in awe of both of them equally because both of them were in their professions in their sweet spot. One is like, he's an artist, but just using food as his medium. One is using all her skills of logistics and process and planning. And also it's beautiful the way, and you see two people who are using their gifts primarily just to be excellent and to serve people. Well, I don't even know their faith journey, but I'm like, it did feel a little bit like heaven on earth, like a glimpse of man, that feels like how work is supposed to be. And of course, I'm sure they have hard times. You know, it's hard, it's hard work, but it just felt right. You know what I mean? And there's 
nothing more winsome in the world than somebody who is world class at yeah. what it is they do professionally. I'm not saying world famous. Yeah. Right. Like the woman who cleans my house is world class yeah. at what she does. The woman who teaches my kids at school is world class at what she does. And that is attractive. Increasingly, we are living next to and working next to a generation of quote unquote nuns, meaning people select no religious affiliation on the box when they're filling out the religious affiliation. N-O-N-E, yes. N-O-N-E. You want to make Christianity relevant and attractive to those people? In the words of Steve Martin, be so good they can't ignore you. Right. Mm. Be so good at what you do. They are like, man, that's they would never use this language, but like, that's the glory of God. Right. Yeah. That is a glimpse of God's character because, man, you just like killed it in making that meal or making that deal not to rhyme. But that helps other people. It's putting off the aroma of Christ when we're doing our work with excellence and love and in accordance with his commands. I used to, one of my first jobs, I, uh, I would drive this guy around. He, he had lost his license for medical, a medical reason. And, and so for a short term period of time, he had to go through some medical stuff before he could drive. So I literally drove him around, but he was a, he was like the head construction guy. And so we would go to all these construction sites. And I remember this guy, he was the texture guy. Like he would go in and patch holes in the wall and then he'd have to retexture it. And, but he could match the texture. If I had to do this recently, my kids put a hole in the wall when jumping on the air mattress. <laughs> it's hard work, man. It's hard to like put a patch on the wall and then, but to retexture it. Yeah. the way that it, the original texture looked. And this guy was just an artist. And dude, I yeah. remember sitting there, I was like 20 years old. And I remember sitting there like, I felt like an artist watching somebody do a masterpiece. Yeah, And it's that same kind of, it's that what you're talking about. It's reflecting back. This is what our God is like, you know, and, yeah. and some people are awesome at their job and they don't, they don't have that mindset. And I wonder yeah. if they just switch the mindset, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. just switch their mindset. It's like, yeah, I crush it, but this has nothing to do with worship. But it's like, yeah. dude, what, what if you crush it at your job and whatever you're doing, you're like, no, I'm reflecting back the God yeah. who takes chaotic things, which sorry to keep rambling here, but Genesis, when we're talking about the spirit of God hovering and the waters were chaotic before God separates the, the water and the land, the waters are chaos. And then the spirit of God hovers over and he separates, he brings order to the chaos and man, even you're like taking an Excel sheet, somebody hands you something, puts it on your desk and it's chaotic. And you're able to take that chaos and make it a little bit more beautiful. Dude, a heart of worship says, this is because my God takes chaotic things. This is gospel way of living. My God takes chaotic things and he makes them beautiful. And I'm his child, right? Like we use so many churchy words. Like I love bringing definition to this stuff. Like what is worship? And I've heard a lot of different definitions of this. Actually, my favorite one is a really old one that came from Rick Warren. Mm. Rick Warren defined worship as bringing God pleasure. Mm. Very simple. And yes, that could mean singing songs of praise to the Lord on Sunday morning. But you don't think that God finds pleasure in watching his children act and work and create like he does? And how does he create? How does he work? Look outside. He creates with excellence, yeah. right? That is worship, working in ways that bring God pleasure, prioritizing his pleasure, his joy, and coincided with that is the joy of others above mm. our own happiness. 
what would be a question or two questions that a guy right now could ask himself? He's maybe sitting at a desk or he's out cleaning a pool or mowing a lawn or you know, swinging a hand, whatever the guy's doing who's listening to this right now. Is there something he could ask himself kind of point blank that would just help him reframe the way he's viewing work that would, that would help him get more on that track of like, I want to worship God through my work. I don't want to just see this as such a begrudging task that I'm trying to get through. Yeah. Would I be content with only receiving applause from my heavenly father? Mm. Right. I think it's a really good question to ask. And I'll be honest, like most of this, that's hard for me. I love applause and we Mm. all want recognition. I'm not saying recognition is bad. I think recognition is a good thing, but can we be content if the applause of, as Mark Barrison says, nail scarred hands is the only applause that we get. Mm. And if not, we're probably working more for ourselves than we are for God's pleasure. So that's one question I find myself asking from time to time. But listen, like I think God wants us to find joy in our work. And part of that is recognition. So again, I don't think all recognition is bad. Work has been a gift that he gave us. He didn't need us to, he doesn't need us to do our work in the world, right? Mm -hmm. He invites us to, it's a gift he's given to his children. I think he wants us to enjoy that gift. What I'm saying is, I think we enjoy it a lot more when we reimagine it primarily a service to God and service to others above service to self. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this conversation so far. Just want to do a quick pause. Thank my friends over at Loam for sponsoring today's episode. Loam, it's a calendar and a planning tool that you can use to get the whole family involved to bring a little bit of order to probably the chaos that you're feeling in your family. I know I feel this with all the different schedules. I have four kids, a wife, a marriage work, all this kind of stuff. And we're trying to figure out how do we put all this stuff together where we can work together as a family. And sometimes that can get really hard. And so Loam, what they did is they created a calendar that allows you to sit down with your kids. It's customizable. They're visual routine trackers. So you can put things like uh, chore charts, bedtime charts, uh, when your kids should brush your teeth, when lights should be out, all that kind of stuff. It's all in here. They even have image view, which is really cool. So for us, we have young ones like three-year-old and one-year-olds. Obviously, they can't read yet, but you can use image view. And so it pulls up the calendar and they can just see visuals like, oh, it's dinner time or it's time to brush my teeth or whatever. So really cool way to incorporate the whole family, even those who can't read. If you get stuck and you're like, I don't know what we should put in our calendar as a whole family. I just always put work or whatever in there but you want to get the whole family involved. They actually have inspirational ideas for shared time together. They'll, they'll have ideas for meals, activities, fun conversations, all kinds of stuff that you can import directly into the calendar really, really easily. And lastly, they work with all the other calendars. They're continuing to update to get more and more calendars. But if you've got like a Gmail calendar you want to, or a Google calendar you want to throw in there, no problem. It will easily sync to that. They have a really cool offer. This was created by Dad Tired listeners Guys who love Jesus, love their family, and are trying to create more intentional time with their family. They created a special offer just for you, the Dad Tired listeners. If you go to withloam.com forward slash Dad Tired, again, that's withloam, L-O-M-E.com forward slash Dad Tired, they're going to give you a code to try your first month for free. You use the code Dad Tired at checkout, all one word, Dad Tired at checkout, you'll get your first month free. Again, that's withloam.com forward slash Dad Tired. Use the promo code DADTIRED at checkout, all one word, and you'll get your first month free. That's really good, man. Really good. I've asked this question probably six different times to six different guests on this show. It comes from kind of personal, my own personal background, but I know a lot of guys are feeling this. Like, I guess how much of 
when we're thinking through our work, because a lot of guys, man, they're listening right now. They're like, dude, I hate my job. Like, oh, yeah. Go, oh, yeah. I'm going to work and I hate it. Yeah. How much of this should just be mindset change? It's like, man, you're, if you could just flip a switch on, on the way you're thinking about work, it's going to bring yeah. you probably some more joy or, and, or is it, dude, you, you might be in the wrong job. Like you're yeah. not, you're not in your suite. So like, I didn't create you to do that. Totally. I do think it's and, or. I do think it, I do this both and sorry. Right. Like yeah. so many times people are like, I'll just suck it up. Work is worship. Deal with it. It's like, mm, again, like, yeah, I think God wants his children to experience joy as they co-labor alongside him. So yeah, try the mindset mindset shift, but it may just be that you're not working in line with your gifts and it may be time to consider a change. Here's the problem though, Jared, you and I know this all too well. Some people don't have that luxury right? Yeah, yeah, Some yeah. people just have to work this job and they got to do it and they don't really have a lot of other options. And so that's a very real reality. I have friends right now. I'm thinking three friends I've talked to in the last two weeks that are in this spot. Jordan, I hate my job. I know the work I think God's created me to do, but the economic realities of my family and supporting my kids just like doesn't allow for it. Here's the deal. Scripture still holds out hope. For all of us, unfortunately, it may not be hope in this life, but life and but hope for the life to come. You know, Scripture is crystal clear that we will work for eternity when heaven is brought to earth. Right. First of all, we gotta get that clear. Heaven is not us living in the clouds for all eternity. That's right. Heaven That's right. comes to earth, and when it does. We will work without the curse forever. So maybe you're sitting there swinging, swinging a hammer all day. You hate it. And you know, God has really designed you to be an artist, but financially you can't make that work right now. I believe you're going to paint art to the glory of God mm. in the new heavens and the new earth. Listen to this passage from Isaiah 65. This is the prophet Isaiah. He's painting this picture of the new Jerusalem. And he says, this is Isaiah 65, 21 through 23. They, that's the Lord's people will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. Here it is, listen. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain. You hate your job? Your kids hate, your, hate their homework and their chores. Know that there's coming a day when you'll have no choice but to love every minute of work for eternity because the curse is gone and you're going to be working alongside King Jesus. By the way, if you love your work, flip side of this, you love your work, let this fuel your hope. Heaven is not you on a cloud playing harps and singing for all eternity. Yes, yeah. heaven is eternal worship. But yeah. again, go back to Genesis 1 and 2. Part of the way Adam and Eve worshiped was to fill and subdue and to reign over all creation. Yeah. And that is the invitation that Christ followers have. Dude, thank you for pointing our eyes to something. Man, we get so caught up in just like the, the day in, the day out. Thank you. We are sojourners. We are passerbyers. We are part of a kingdom that lasts for eternity. And so, man, we just so often need to point, lift our eyes up for a minute and realize there's a much bigger, this is the shortest time we'll spend anywhere is here on earth. And so thank you for that hope, that gospel hope. 
bring up to your wife right now, Hey, I'm thinking about, I hate my job. I just listened to this podcast and maybe I should quit. It's just not reality right now. Yeah. And I would say that I, I tell a lot of friends who feel in that situation and I have felt, I've spent many years of my life feeling in that situation. I always tell them to be hyper self-aware. And so what I mean by that is every, try to document every minute, every hour, every day and ask yourself, what do I love about this moment? What do I hate about this moment? What is bringing me joy in this moment? What is sucking the life out of me? And you're doing all of these exercises to try to figure out how has God wired me specifically? Like when you use the word sweet spot, what does that actually mean for me? How has God uniquely created me? And you'll start to notice like, oh man, I hate when I'm on the phone for a long time, or I love when I'm talking to people, I'm really energized. I love giving ideas. And then you can start to look for ways that you can slide more into those life-giving moments. And sometimes maybe it's not even in your job. Maybe it's you just know you need to go home and you need to talk to a neighbor or you need to help your neighbor build a fence or volunteer at the church and do whatever it is, you know, but it's like, now that you know the things that give you life, where can you start to step into those more and more? And and that might help you as you're, um, you know, feeling like the life's getting sucked out of you every day. That's a good word. It's a real good word. Yeah. Let's get into the, uh, the children's book, dude. Cause I'm not kidding, man. I've read a lot of children's book. I get sent a lot of children's book for dad tired. You know, can you look at this? Can you tell the dad tired guys about this? So I've seen a lot and I'm, I'm sincerely not just saying this. It's so good. It's so well-written and the art on it is like, you know, sometimes you get children's books with the art and you're like, Ooh, did my kids it's draw cute. this? It's cute. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. The art's cute. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, like I've been telling people on, on all these interviews, this is a fun project to promote because honestly, 95% of the reason why I'm excited about it has nothing to do with the words and everything to do with the art of the world-class illustrator, yeah. Jonathan David. I mean, this is not cute stuff. I'm framing some of this art in my house. Yeah, legit. I believe it's it. It's just beautiful. It really is so, so good. And it's hard to find in children's book. But what's the premise of the children's book? Maybe just tell us as much as you can about it. Yeah. You know, tell us as much as you can. About. So I'll kind of give you the backstory, right? I've got three young daughters, seven, five, and two. I am dad tired. Yep. Uh, there's yep. a sound, this sound clip for you. And I have read my kids. I can't tell you how many books on the creation account of Genesis one. And they all follow the same pattern, right? It's day one. God created this day two. God created that day three, four, five, six, the end these books drive me bonkers, Jared, because day six wasn't the end of creation. Yeah. We've been talking about this. It's the beginning, right? And so I wanted a children's book that made that crystal clear. So that's what the creator in you is. It's essentially, I call it a three act play in three minutes, right? So Mm -hmm. act one, you see God working, right? We don't talk about this in the church. God works, God creates. And so we use images and language that show him rolling up his sleeves and building mountains and rivers and towers of trees and all this big epic stuff, right? Then act two, we get to act two real fast. It says, hey, kids, now you might think their story is ending because every other children's book you've ever read says it's ending. But in fact, this is just the beginning. God made you to look like him, to act and work and create with him. Because while in six days, God created a lot. There are so many things that he simply did not, like bridges and baseballs, sandcastles and s'mores. God asked us to create and fill the planet with more, right? That's act two. It's the passing of the baton. And then act three is just this beautiful montage 
of watching kids respond to that message and filling the earth with art and businesses and tree forts and spaceships that reveal God's image and character to the world, man. It's it's so fun. And my, my goal, man, is I want my kids, I want your kids, I want the kids of our listeners to view their current work, chores, art projects, homework, whatever, and most importantly, their future careers with God-ordained purpose and enthusiasm and joy. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we're really big in around here at Dad Tired is we're trying to help guys figure out a way to teach the gospel to their kids in everyday situations. Yes. So so often it's just like when I I get stuck on a, I need to read a 15 minute devotional with them before bed. And that's kind of, (laughs) that's the most I know how to do as a dad when trying to teach them the gospel. What I love about your book is it's giving dads and kids very practical imagery of what it looks like to be in worship in the everyday. I love that you use like s'mores when I'm yeah. putting something to, you know, I'm, I'm putting a piece of chocolate with a marshmallow, like all of that can be used to point back to Jesus. Look at yes. how God takes pieces and he puts it all together to make something beautiful. I mean, dude, how many dads right now, are you listening? We're about to move into warmer summer months, you know, praise God, hopefully sooner than later <laughs> for many of us. And you're going to be sitting around a fire this summer camping and you just take some elements like a piece of chocolate, a graham cracker, and a marshmallow. And you can use those to say, look at how we take these things and we make something beautiful. It's reminding us, this is what God does. He takes things and he makes them beautiful. We get to take things and make things beautiful. And it points back to, it's just simple gospel truth in everyday life. And so, man, it comes out in in April, right? Early April, April 5th. But I'm, dude, everyone who's listening to this right now, please go on Amazon right now. You know what I love about Amazon? I know this is going to sound like a play. Everyone's going to be like, okay, here we go. Celsius. But this <laughs> really a link. Here it comes. <laughs> What's really cool about that, though, is when you pre order, they give you the best price because yeah, prices yeah. fluctuate. So whatever yeah. the best price is, you actually get the best price. So even if you order now. So anyway, man, dude, this, I always love talking to you. You take these kind of big, hard to understand, sometimes big theological stuff, and you just make them really practical, which is, what we're trying to do at Dad Tired. And um, and now you're putting out resources that we can use with our kids, which all of us dads need. But bro, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for this book. Any last words for the dad who's like, he's trying his best to lead his family well, figured this whole gospel-centered parenting stuff out. Any Any last words of encouragement for that guy? Yeah, I would just leave you with the final words of the book. Because again, I wrote them for you dads as much as I did for your kids. Here's what it says. When you work or you make something new, that's what we're all doing as we work every day, right? Mm. You are doing what God has made you to do. You're showing the world what your father's like, a God who creates to bring people to light. And when you show others the creator in you, you bring joy to the world and to your father too. That's it. That's the core message of the book. So yeah. Hey, one last thing I'll leave you with. Yeah. Go get the book on Amazon. Again, it's called the creator in you. But again, I'm a dad of three young kids. My kids, what they love most in the world, two things, getting physical mail, which is inexplicable, and stickers, right? My kids go nuts for stickers. So if you order the book and then go to jordanrainer.com, fill out a form, I'm going to send your kids in the mail, their own personalized mail, a sticker that with their name on it to Jackson, to whoever, and it's going to say, may you always abound in the creativity of the father. I'll sign it and they could stick that sticker inside of the book. I'll send you as many stickers as you want. Oh, Just cool. go to jordanrainer.com to get them. I love that. That's good. Dude, you always do good uh, 
good gifts for when people get your <laughs> books, man. I need to take lessons from you. That's awesome. I would just say, man, final words here to the dad that's listening. Dude, it doesn't matter if you're, you're dumping a trash into a big garbage dumpster today, or you're making an Excel sheet, or you're mowing a lawn, whatever you're doing, man. If all you get out of today's interview is that you can just do it with the best of your ability, that's it, man. Just do it with excellence. And as you're doing with excellence, know that God the Father is looking at you proud. And in some ways, man, and this isn't, I don't want to get overly complicated, overly spiritual here, but in some ways, man, that might even be more meaningful than showing up to church on Sunday and singing some songs that you're just repeating without any thought behind it. To do it with excellence and with the heart posture of whatever I'm doing, I want to do it for the glory of God. And I want to reflect back, even if God is the only one who sees this right now, God, would this bring you glory? Man, I, I just have a feeling that it's going to bring the Father a lot of joy. We're going to fight over the last word. Okay. You get it. No, so we'll say, we'll say, no, no, you're just, point. man, we can really over spiritualize things in today's modern church. And one of the things I love so much about Jesus is that he doesn't, he, yeah. he really brings that things down to the ground level. When he was asked to summarize the greatest commandments, he said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Think about what is work at the end of the day. You don't mm-hmm. get paid unless you love your neighbor as yourself with excellence with love. And he didn't say, Jesus didn't say, and this is where I think we can over-spiritualize, love your neighbor as yourself so that you can tell them about me Mm -hmm. or love your neighbor as yourself so that you can make a lot of money and give it to quote unquote full-time missionaries. And those Mm -hmm. things are like great things. Like I'm all about those things, but loving your neighbor as yourself, as you work is good and God honoring in and of itself. It is whole. So just turn off this podcast, go love your neighbor as yourself through your work and know that your heavenly father is smiling upon you as you do it. Thanks for being here today, bro. That's a good last word. Let's in there, man. Thanks for having me, Joe. Man, I hope that conversation was helpful for you today. Just want to remind you guys that we do have that Dad Tired Retreat. If you want to get in on early bird pricing, you need to sign up before April. You can do that by going to dadtired.com forward slash retreat. Again, go to dadtired.com forward slash retreat. We'll see you this fall.